हेलो हाय नताशा नमस्ते हाय प्रिया वेलकम टू चाय एंड चैट थैंक यू हैप्पी टू बी हियर प्रिया इज शी इज फ्रॉम पूना Priya is or used to be uh, a school teacher. She used to teach elementary school kids, uh, and she is currently in the middle of a transition uh, to writing. And she uh, she has recently published her first novel. Um, and I wanted to ask Priya about this transition and how she went from her earlier avatar to. <laughs> <laughs> the latest one <laughs> hi priya tell us about that that journey um thank you um i i was thinking about this question and especially now that i'm in the middle of uh, i guess identities but um and i as we were talking earlier i, I thought oh how am i going to explain the transition and i realized that the transitions have been more the norm than the exceptions in my case so When I first came to the US I actually was a management consultant with PricewaterhouseCoopers and Deloitte and then after I had my daughter I did the homemaker thing for 5 years in the meantime I started loving working with kids um, thanks to my daughter I got more involved in that and so I went back for my teaching credential and I worked for more than a decade teaching second grade a homeroom teacher and then the last 6 years I've been an intervention specialist working with kids below academic uh, level and um, but then i just decided to take a leap of faith here i've always loved writing and uh, the project my book was coming along and it kind of grew exponentially in the last year or so and so i decided that i need to give that a chance and i'm not saying i've quit teaching i love teaching too much but this was a time to kind of do something that really recharges me mm-hmm. and uh, writing has always been that way so i am exploring this for a year i'm hoping to get back to school to learn more about creative writing so wow so your book uh, is it a children's book uh, so it is um, a young adult because the age of the protagonist is it starts at 14 and it stops when she's 17 so it's a coming of age um, story mm-hmm. um i would like to think that it's women's fiction it's literary fiction it's young adult i'm hoping that it covers quite a few genres it, it's out now on amazon and uh, uh it is set in india uh, at the turn of the century so around 1900s um during the colonial british uh, british rule british raj okay. but the theme of transition or is universal and it kind of doesn't have any boundaries so i'm hoping that the theme spans across right. um the time and place because it it has a lot to do with uh, the you know women's independence women's rights independence feelings so uh, but it's wow i i had a uh, i had a question about this because i actually went on amazon to to read the blurb about the book the book is called reva uh, and um, so many questions right so you talked about transitions uh in your own life as well as transitions in the novel so how much of the novel is you um 
I am getting feedback by people who know me really well that, oh, they could actually see me. Like it starts out with maybe because it's my experiences and my thoughts. And so it ends up being, but eventually the character takes on a life of its own because this shows up in all writing classes that, yeah, whatever it starts out with, finally the character is going to act in ways that you as a writer don't think you want to go there, but it just makes sense in the context of the story. And so, and I thought, oh, that just doesn't, you know, like I'm the writer. I should be able to control it but that did happen so maybe it started out with me and me like but uh, it, it kind of went on its or own to something else yeah. yeah and but there is like I said I think the whole thing of transitions and the coming of age yeah she was 14 to 17 but I find myself sometimes going from 40 to you know 50 like I feel like it's such a coming of age again yes you're uh, right today. That's and so I feel those themes and things that she learns and the self-confidence that she gets along the way are so relevant even now. So, uh, you know, some of things and of course, there are things that I didn't learn at all when I was her age, but, uh, uh, but they speak a lot to me now. So, so that's I mean, really interesting. Like, how does a character take a life of their own? For example, if I if she's getting into trouble for being or doing something because she's a girl or whatever, and my instinct is that she needs to fight against it and she needs to rebel because that is her. She's a protagonist. Mm. But then I'm thinking about what are her surroundings, what are her context, what are what is at stake if she doesn't, uh, you know, if she doesn't follow certain norms or whatever. And so it's like, okay, I need to take a baby step and let her lose this battle because she has to win the bigger war, you know, those kind of things. So even at that point if I feel oh I just want her to push back against this and uh, I I can't and I have to let her do her thing so you know uh, when I looked at the subject matter it's set in in an earlier era right Uh, I mean I know this is something it's you know it's our history but I mean I don't think we've ever really gone so deep in in school unless we've taken history as a as a a subject did you have to do a lot of research and what type of research did you do? Uh, lots of research. And um, I didn't think I liked history as much in school as I started when I on my own and, you know, kind of uh, making those connections and kind of initiating that journey myself about what I want to learn and what, what comes next. And I mean, internet makes it so much easier now to access. Uh, and then I actually did some field research as well. Um, I can't tell That's you interesting. a nice moment, the yeah. setting, because I, it was modeled after a specific setting. Um, so Mahabreshwar is the, the the uh, No, Natasha's uh, laughing because you studied it in Mahabreshwar. I studied in Panjigani. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Panchi girl. And I still have my network of Panchi friends. We're all on WhatsApp forever. <laughs> god. So yeah, so that was my inspiration, I guess, for the setting. And it's based on a lot of research that I did about Mahabreshwar during the 1880s. Uh, and also I actually visited just for this reason. Uh, there is the Mahabreshwar Club uh, Hotel. So I actually got to uh, stay a night at the place oh, wow. and it actually features in the book so I got to do that kind of research um, they had a library of their own with these uh, books that were from 18 you know early 1800s and talked about the colonial life uh, from different perspectives so I had like one night to cram stuff in or just to see what uh, you know nuggets I can get out of it so that was a fun fun part of the research um, 
I visited like there's a temple in the in the park and not the main touristy one. There's this little uh, track that goes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, Mahabrishwar gave me so much to work with uh, in terms of Goodness. setting up and moving it forward. Um, so yeah, that research and then things like I wanted to use you know something to do with pencil and I had to research whether did they have a pencil then and if she needed to have a pencil, how could she get a pencil? Because in India they were not using pencils then, so you know, so every little detail required. Wow. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I just have to jump in because she's just brought back a flood of memories of Panchi and Mabi as we used to call them. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Panchigani, like I went to Kimmins High School and oh, Kimmins yeah. was set up in the 1880s, I think, because somebody just sent me an article about it. And, you know, the, the British said we need a school which is far away from the locals, you know, so the British girls could be educated there. No choice now, but to read the book. I mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah, so I, I'll lend you my... <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Is there something that you came across about life for young girls at that time, which you were really surprised by? Like, oh my goodness, I completely didn't realize, you know? So that, but I don't know about just for girls, but there was something that I read in the research, which actually gave me um, like a base for the whole storylines as such. There is always this uh, relationship between two dominant cultures. It could be men and women. It could be British and Indians. It could be Mm. an adult and a child. And one of the things, and I actually wrote it down and my my card over here, it changed a way I I thought about sure, yeah, go ahead. It says, um, a dominant culture can project on a minority group all those qualities and characteristics which it most fears and hates within itself. So it's the lens with which we see mm-hmm. things uh, that that gives us our perspective. So right. if we if and this actually in teaching it was such a game changer for me because if I'm looking to find some fault, I will see that fault. But then if I'm looking with, oh no, I'm going to see three good things, I can see the good things. So that was, to me, it gave me like something to really hook on to um, and keep that as my anchor. But yeah, I thought it actually helped me not only just in the book, but in life. Uh, you know, if I expect not the best, I get not the best. And same thing, if I expect my child to fail, there is something that she's going to do to disappoint me. Ever since I started thinking about this, yeah, there are things that don't go right, but for the yeah. most part, things do work out okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't answer the question about girls, but uh, no, I no, no. I, no, but that's that's exactly right because it, uh, what I was wanted to ask was what did you learn from it? So while you were bringing this character to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got something from this whole endeavor that changed yours, right? Yeah. That changed your life or the way you yeah. looked at it. And actually, there is one thing that I found out, which um, I don't know if it was completely different, but it, it still surprises me that the girls, while child marriage was still going on, you know, they were getting married at 12 and 13. They had almost like this dual personality where suddenly they were like this daughter-in-law. You're 12, but you're a daughter-in-law and you're taking care of your husband and maybe some other kids. And, you know, and at the same time, you still have that 12-year-old kiddishness that shows up in other aspects, you know, like uh, and that it has always been very fascinating that girls in that century 
kind of had these two different faces that sometimes they used to just reveal this 12 year old child that's still in them and other times they were like on par with the older women in the house and they could you know just in terms of what they wore how they spoke or the way they thought um and that's kind of been fascinating how they keep those two ages alive almost right mm-hmm. in the same person it's just amazing how these girls you know kind of had one foot in childhood and one foot in adulthood and managed to be happy in a certain way about yeah, it yeah. actually yeah. i have to send you a picture of my grandmother whom i never met yeah. but uh, my cousin recently she she put up a picture on our family whatsapp and that's it's my grandmother in 1910 and they've just gotten married and my, my grandfather is pointing to a camera and she's <laughs> looking at it and she looks like she looks she looks like she could have been 12 yeah but but you know she she grew up and she was teaching english to royal families <laughs> really <laughs> just these kind of things you know just make you want to tell everyone's story and then like, you know one book is not enough to do <laughs> to do all that and and she she had 14 children or 12 children yeah. but so my dad was the youngest of all her children yeah the husband meaning my grandfather passed away much earlier so she literally brought them up by herself yeah you know everybody did really well in their lives you know engineers army air force whatever yeah. and uh, she was teaching english to these children in royal family you know the king of so and so and the queen of so and so you know those wow. days there so yeah. and my cousin has all those her certificates like oh we are so proud of rama bai tawre who taught english really to it is such a treasure i mean i treat these things like sacred you should see you know the mm, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah so uh, talking about kids and you said you were a second grade teacher mm-hmm. so uh, what about your experience with young children because i i've also taught second grade for many years and I, it's probably one of my favorite grades how did your teaching experience uh, help you maybe to write your book like is there any experiences that you took away or you learned while you were in school in the classroom that helped you write your book i think i lived among stories every day i mean every day i was picking stories to talk about and uh, you know discuss do character traits and analysis and you know all those things so i feel like i lived in stories all the time and so it's like when i sat down i didn't need to now sit and get myself worked up or right. you know do any kind of ritual to get into that world it's like okay i'm just taking this and starting to put in a different way but uh, it was such good warm up i feel uh, constantly yeah. every day um so it that did help the, the the challenge was finding the time because school work itself keeps you you know i mean so just yeah so in fact i started feeling at some point that i was neglecting the child at home because i was so focused on all the 24 kids in the classroom yeah um, yeah but in terms of writing just because i actually uh, it also helped me as mentor text right i mean we use picture books and uh so it might be a picture book but the writing principle still holds yes. uh yeah i mean simple things like show don't tell or those yes, things exactly. right i mean so it is important to remember no matter what kind of book you're writing so i felt like that was constantly in my head because i was doing that most of the day and then it was just a matter of applying it to mm-hmm. the work that i was by had so yeah it yeah so i think that whole being in school kind of always had set up the environment to right Uh, to do my own work right uh, you're surrounded by stories and you're surrounded by books all the time too 
I mean, there's, there's real stories that the children bring. And I am so excited about the books we read. I mean, they're picture books, but I'm telling you, I have a big picture book collection even now. Like yeah. I have a school collection and then I have my own collection as well. And I have no idea. I keep telling my daughter, I'm going to give it to my grandkids. And then I think twice. I'm like, I don't know if they're not going to be readers and I don't want to give it to them. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to someone who values reading. <laughs> so it's that precious. Like I want to make sure it... So yeah, picture books and any books, but because I was in elementary um, and we had to do these quick lessons, picture books were more that we used, right? Uh, yeah. So that wow, helped. it seems like you guys have found uh, what do you call soul sisters here? You know, I feel, I'm feeling with all these teachers here, I'm feeling a little left out because I have nothing, nothing to uh, to to add to this. But uh, I wanted to ask you about a little bit just to yeah, yeah. focus is the mechanics of writing, right? I always think like, you mean writers just sit down at nine o'clock? Like we go to work, right? You sit down at nine o'clock and start writing. Does that ever happen? Or do you just like sometimes just nod, just look at the, you know, your laptop and say, ah, oh, nothing's coming to me today. <laughs> writers <laughs> block. <laughs> yeah, writers block. Yeah. Uh, you know, fortunately, when I was doing the bulk of my writing, I was always short on time. And ah. so it was like, oh, I need to write this down, but I never had time to flesh it out. So I actually had a list of bullet points. The other thing through all the writing classes, the advice that was really good is that you always stop writing when you are at your peak of juices flowing or whatever, right? Really? Yeah. You don't stop when that's all done because then it's hard to get back in. So if you leave in the middle of a really big conflict scene, you just have to read like two pages before that and you know, right? Because it was such high emotion or, yeah, right? Uh-huh. So you get into that. Yeah, I thought, it was, I'm telling you. That is fascinating. Yeah. That I learned along the way. They really work, yeah. And so that's a good way of avoiding writer's block. Um, yeah, so uh, plus if the outcome is not, if you're not focused on, oh, I need to write a bestseller or I need to write something to publish, the writing is so much easier if you're writing for yourself. Then you can figure out what you want to do with it. But uh, that is that is a very interesting because I think in one of the earlier uh, episodes we were talking about art being so much more fun when you're doing it for yourself. Yes, you are the right. Yes, so we were just talking about that. Now, if more people enjoy reading the book, yay! That's cherry on the top. Uh, but I think that avoids that block because if you're just doing it for yourself, then you know just. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know if that's for everyone, but I find when I just follow my own, and then a lot of times I just throw it away, I delete it at the end of it, uh, you know, but it kind of helps in five days of deletes ends up in one day of something <laughs> good. <laughs> but then that's the process, you know. Exactly. And, exactly. and yeah. it's, it's the same with any creativity project because a lot of people say, I'm not creative. But creativity, I think, is a habit, a practice, right? Like if you say you are and do whatever, I mean, just because you put yourself out there and you do it and do it and do it for your own self, eventually something starts taking shape. I, I mean, that's that was my journey, I think. Um, yeah. I, I just breaks my heart when people say that I'm not creative. And I'm like, no, no, you are. You're just not practicing. Giving yourself a chance. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to your idea of transitions and your transitioning from India to the US. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that transition and what changed, you know, what was that transition like? What did you 
let go of and what did you keep while you transitioned? Okay, so my transition happened very suddenly. Uh, I knew my husband since I was in the sixth grade, Ashish, <laughs> and he ended up coming here for his master's. And I was just 18 when he finished his master's. And through the research and all over here, he found out that if I, if, if I completed my graduation over there, I would have to come here and do, you know, that whole 12 right. plus 4 and 12 plus 3 yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And so like one day in December, I'd just come home from college and, you know, he was talking to my mother on the phone and they were like, oh, her passport is not ready yet. And, and I'm like, who are they talking about? And uh, so it turns out that they were thinking, he, before he graduates, if he gets married, then the student visa thing would be very easy instead of after. Uh, uh, I actually got married at 18. And instead of even completing my second year of college, I ended up coming over here and I did my undergraduation over here. Uh, so that was a very hard transition. It that was a very nerve-wracking transition because I did not want to get married at that. You know, I mean, I wanted to yeah. study and do all the like 18. I thought I would be in the 19th century living like at 18, I'm getting married. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm like a very logical and practical person. Everything made sense that, oh, then I would have to do this and this and then the visa would be difficult and blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't so much as a romantic decision as everything else, all the other ducks were in a row. So I needed <laughs> Uh, but it turned out to be a good decision because I actually came here and, you know, did my undergraduation. But it was strange because even though I was 18 and uh, doing undergraduation, I lived with my husband. And, you know, I, by the time I graduated, we were married for like four years, five years. And so it was a very different. I felt I was still very sheltered and protected even after I came over here. You know, I wasn't just a student with other students. And I came back home, husband, and we had a big Indian community as well. So even though it was things were new, they were new in a very safe way that I could just go explore. Mm -hmm. If I didn't like it, I still have my Indian store and I still have my Indian friends to have my conversations with. Uh -huh. But then my first job out of college was with PricewaterhouseCoopers, very glamorous management consulting firm. And I was like this little whatever from a little town in California. And they sent us for a training to Florida for three months. It was a compulsory training for new graduates. And that's when five years later, I had such a huge culture shock because all the other people like my cohort, you know, 25 kids oh. from all over the US from all different offices of Pricewaterhouse. And these were fresh graduates, right? Young, single. Imagine like I'm thinking my kid in four years and uh, with a new paycheck now. So they have that additional independence. Yeah. And I was such a fish out of water. That was my real American education, I would say. Like I couldn't understand the slang that they were talking. I mean, they went to a bar and I'm like, can I go to a bar? I don't even know these people. And, you know, the, they did all the things that young people, I was young too then, but I just felt so much older because I was married and, you know, yeah. uh, I did the things that now I hear my daughter do. But at that point, I was just like, okay, I'll just do it, but I'm not really buying into this yet because I don't know how safe it'll be and, you know, what could happen. Just an eye opener. I had the so most had a, a delayed you a had delayed, a delayed, delayed education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shock. yeah. Very interesting though, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there were a lot of things where I was embarrassed and I said no because I was not confident, not because I didn't want to, but I just felt yeah. like such an outsider. Uh, you know, life, you feel like you're struggling just to make the simple hi-hello conversation, right? Uh, forget anything. 
uh, right, deeper right. than that. It was all in my head, of course. I yeah, mean, the right. people were perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, so, and that's what I'm realizing as you know, through the years that it was not so much that anyone else was very different. I considered myself different. And now with the whole teaching thing, like I'm looking for more similarities than differences. And it's amazing how comfortable then I feel if I'm trying to find the connections instead of what's different between us. Absolutely. Setting your book in um, British India, like it seems like you're very much connected with to your yeah. roots. And yeah, I, I feel like I'm more Indian now in America than I was over there. Like, you know, like I'm, you look for opportunities because almost like you want to maintain that identity in, some, in, in a little bit. And so I am doing so many more Indian things now than like over there we would have just taken it for granted. Like I have this huge, uh, during the Ganesh, uh, Ganpati, Gauri, I have huge, yeah. huge Gauri celebration, which I like these goddesses, like I have two idols. Uh, and I have like 40 friends. It's only a women only thing. Uh, and it's becoming bigger and bigger. I actually brought those, that's, those, that's the family celebration, the uh, Gadakkar family celebration. When Arohi was three years old, I thought I needed something to kind of anchor her. Like we have this tradition of doing this puja every year. And so that's how it came. It started with like eight of my best friends. And now there's like 40, 45 people. And they start calling me by May. When's the date? When are you having it? Because we want to keep it. Uh, yeah. So I feel like that um, or this whole book thing, right? I mean, I am still stuck over there. And uh, this still gives me an opportunity to stay connected and and now you know once I get it to India the paperback I'm hoping that my friends and family will enjoy it over there as well so that's another connection because it keeps a conversation going oh, yeah. uh, so yeah. but in other terms like just the lifestyle I think just like for everyone else we've kind of merged everything right mm. our kids mm. are like she's growing up here so we brought some of that local culture mm-hmm. and then I still want her to know some of our traditions so we do that so nothing different in terms of what everyone else does. You know, and, and I wanted to ask about uh, your daughter what was her reaction to your book? She, she really she really uh, loved it and the way I know it is because she actually put it out on her Instagram story if she wants to be associated with the book that means she really liked it. <laughs> and there were a lot of details in the book that were probably new to her because we never talked about so many things mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I, like I said unfortunately it was only later in life that I started questioning a lot of things that I saw <laughs> you know early on in life because we just took things for granted since we were in that environment and everyone did the same thing or, yeah. Um, yeah yeah actually I love the British India part as well because you know my dad was in the air force and we uh, at one point in our lives we lived in Calcutta and it was in Fort William like we lived inside Fort William and now when I think about it and we used to like play hide and seek in those uh, you know in the mess which was actually the British mess Mm. and I remember you know the huge doorways and the flowing curtains and like we loved the bathrooms because you know bathrooms are always so beautiful and now I think back, like this is where the British women would have come and sat and powdered their noses or whatever it is they did. You know? So it is so interesting that you're saying this because that's exactly the mi- the mindset of the protagonist because she's just enamored by the glamour of the uh, you know the white culture and of course it was right and we all I thought I mean you know like Jane Austen and we read yeah. those books or whatever but they painted those kind of pictures of course Jane not for her but 
so that is and that kind of had me thinking like what would it be to be this girl who really loves everything like and from a distance right like cuz you don't know and you're from a little village and so she's like trying to emulate or be uh you know she wants to have a life like them which education right. is part of it or you know especially because they were trying to fight for women's rights as well right stopping widow remarriage uh, uh, sorry uh, allowing widow remarriages or stopping child marriages so they were all good so in her eyes it was you know the the dazzle of the whole white culture yeah. and so that was also part of her coming of age to kind of separate between the good and the bad and how how she learns that so priya you know uh, one thing that i have i have heard is that uh, authors uh, do consume a lot of beverages <laughs> how about that for a segue okay <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> chai or coffee. So what 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 how do you enjoy your chai and do you write while you're drinking? <laughs> yes. And let's just leave it at drinking. Don't don't be any specific. No, I'm kidding. That's uh, but I love yes, I do love my chai um but it's morning tea, ginger, light, no uh, no sugar. But more than that, I heat my tea that one cup of tea at least four times before oh. I finish it which yeah. means that every sip has to be steaming hot and steaming hot so even if there are two <laughs> even if there are like two sips left I'm like I don't can you please heat it and she looks and she says there is nothing in here and I'm like yeah you know to what I say <laughs> I don't I don't know there's probably some health issue here like reheating heating I but it hasn't made a difference yeah. to you know my enjoyment I'm like no I just need every sip because then I'm enjoying the last sip too I never ever just gulp down that because I need to finish the tea or whatever yeah. but that's the thing that my mom keeps saying that every time you come there's like this little little because in my mind I'm like I'm going to heat that up and drink that <laughs> <laughs> That's right yeah, so Back. right till the last drop absolutely yes. and then after 5 o'clock it's wine we live in california we 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 couldn't avoid Ooh, it. <laughs> nice yes. you yeah uh, yeah both ashish and i love doing the whole wine tasting thing and we have like a collection and Wonderful. we love the, i mean the fun part of it is having friends over and then really you know thinking them is, yes but well yeah. you're living in the right state then yes Yes. Yes. <laughs> she's enjoying every last sip yes exactly <laughs> exactly yeah wonderful this is so good thank you so Very much uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, great so wonderful time yeah thank you and namaste and we wait for your next book yes yes namaste i'm going to write on it right away so <laughs>